Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Kind enough to join me to talk about the fact that right now we are snowless in Vancouver, like they're sleepless in Seattle. Kind enough to be joined by Andrew Weaver. Andrew, my first question to you is right now, obviously the ski hills are uh, a little caught off guard by how warm it's been. Uh, The businesses surrounding them are probably thinking, boy, there's nobody going on the hills. At what point do we kind of sit back and say, boy, this might be a problem come the summertime if we don't get some more precipitation? Well, the the seasonal forecast is pretty clear. Um, It's well above normal temperatures moving forward and drier than normal conditions. So uh, we, you know, BC Hydro, for example, is going to have to start worrying about that right now for their uh, spring power uh, forecast. And, uh, you know, the ski hills are going to likely have a, in our area, not such a good year. And this is the type of thing that my community, the climate science community, has been pointing out will occur more and more frequently as the years go ahead. And uh, it, yeah, we're just seeing some of the beginning phases of that. I've always been curious to know how we would adapt to the changes because, you know, you can have your theories on climate change and what have you, but I think just more I look at um, the way that humans react to situations where all of a sudden summers look a little bit different and water usage is a little bit different. Do you see at some point we will have to adjust uh, like across the board the way that we look at water and see and how we use it as well? Oh, 100%. And one of, the, one of the places that needs to adjust more than others is actually Vancouver, because for some odd reason, uh, large parts of the city don't actually pay metered water, uh, which doesn't actually con- um, bode well for uh, conservation. You obviously want to pay for what you use, but uh, for some historical region, there's lots, part, lots of regions of Vancouver that don't. And, and, and you don't value something unless there's a price on it. In terms of water availability, uh, climate change is, is not going to give us any shortage of water overall, but it's going to create an issue of water variability. That is, we're going to get more water when we don't need it and less water when we do. That water when we're going to get is going to come in the form of rain more likely than snow as the years go on. And that uh, doesn't bode well for snowpack feeding various um, rivers, etc. So, of course, that leads to issues with respect to fish stocks. It leads to issues with respect to power generation. And it leads to issues with respect to water availability if we don't have the appropriate reservoirs to capture that winter uh, precipitation that's coming in the form of rain now instead of snow to more and more extent and in increasingly larger amounts. Andrew Reaver joining us here on the Jazz Joe Hall Show. Uh, I loved an article that you wrote back in July and you were kind enough to post it on your website talking about, and it was right in the middle of June when we were having our warmest June ever. Uh, It was in the midst of a uh, heat wave and you put some great charts out there that showed just how how much things are moving forward. And then you mentioned a few other countries, and I'd really like to kind of broaden this conversation. You talked about Vancouver struggling with that, but where could we look at and say that's how we need to do it? Well, I like to... uh there are countries that have really taken two two approaches. One is the approach to mitigation, means stop putting out those emissions that are causing the climate change in the first place. You can look to a country like Great Britain, where the emissions are more than 45% below 1990 levels, because the country as a whole uh, went forward and developed policies because they knew this was something they had to, to 
to deal with. And they wanted to be leaders in this regard because those people who, who you know, developed the, the solutions early on stand to benefit of others adopt those solutions. In terms of adaptation, the, uh, low, the, the um, high latitude uh, uh, countries in Europe, Scandinavian countries, Iceland, places like that have done enormous uh, work in terms of uh, changing their natural resource practices in order to be more sustainable, to be able to adapt to climate change. In, we're still stuck in the in the dark ages here, to a large extent. In, 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 in British Columbia, in Canada, you know, we do things like we can walk and stake the land for mining, which is bizarre. Our our forest tenure practices are are very old and not conducive to the kind of long term sustainability of, of forest conservation. So there's a lot that needs to be changed because we've just we've been so blessed with so much. We haven't worried about it in the past, but I think uh, now is the time for us to do that. And again. These fire, the forests are, are, are in trouble with respect to fires, particularly the boreal forest region and those uh, kind of pine, uh, pine, interior pine forests. But again, all of these, both climate adaptation and climate mitigation are entirely solvable problems. But what we need is to actually get on with it and to actually support those doing it rather than trying to hang on to the past way of doing things which are not going to work in the future. I mean, this is not... I don't like alarmism. I don't think that's helpful in advancing climate solutions. But really, uh, nor is denialism, because, you know, what we want is a pragmatic uh, approach moving forward, recognizing that climate change is very, very serious. But any serious problem also presents itself as opportunities as we solve that problem. And that's where I hope we focus. Water availability is one of them. We're going to get lots of water in BC. They're going to get lots less water in the U.S., we know that this water availability is going to be come reaching crisis points in southern U.S. places. So what are we doing now to think about the future, whether that be building bigger dams or whether that ironically be converting oil pipelines to water pipelines to ship our water south? Who knows? But we should be having these conversations now. Well, I'll tell you what, Andrew, that's a conversation for another day for sure. I, I, I hate that it came up against the clock because I think that's a great point. But, Andrew, thank you for this and thank you for making time for me during the holiday season. Please, let's talk again. A pleasure. Thank you again. Thank you. Andrew Weaver, who's a professor in the School of Earth and Ocean Science at the University of Victoria, also the former leader of the Green Party. Boy, he slipped that in right at the buzzer that maybe we need some pipelines that aren't just oil, that water could become a commodity on that level. That's a really interesting uh, way to look at that. Okay, on the other side of the break, we're going to look, instead of looking down, we're going to look up.